Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Good morning. My name is Marty Scott, and I am not Jacob because Jacob is on paternity leave. Lawrence Wayne Smith was born Thursday morning, and he's doing great, and Susan is doing great. Uh, We saw Jacob yesterday, and he asked that uh, you all would be just praying for him and Susan, that they would get lots of good sleep right now. But they're they're loving being double parents. Did you tell him it wasn't going to happen? He's not going to get a lot of sleep. Yeah, yeah, he he knows that. He's he's well aware. So (laughs) this is Andrea, my lovely wife, and uh, usually she is doing the female vocals up here. What's that called? Uh, usually she's up here doing female vocals, but this morning we are going to be preaching about marriage. And so we're, we're really excited about that. And then uh, we have a family. So this is us with our three boys. That is Andrew. He's four and a half uh, in the middle. Jonah is two and a half. And then Bennett is eight months. And uh, they are just a wonderful blessing to us. We, uh, we love them a lot and they are uh, super high energy. So if you just Hang out here after, uh, after the service. You'll see them pop in and just run laps for like 15 minutes, and you'll get a little bit of taste of what higher energy um, really means. But I oversee, uh, as my job, I oversee our fellows program and then our missions and then our small groups. And there's a big place in my heart for small groups because 12 years ago, that is where I met Andrea. Yeah, in this very room, actually, we met. Our Bible studies met on an alternate night. I'll just do it. Sneak peek, right? So this is the first picture I ever took of Marty. Um, I left an impression, right? Yeah. When our uh, our Bible studies got together to do a Thanksgiving feast, and so this is Marty carving a turkey um, that I just remembered the last service. He he had actually forgotten to thaw, and so that day they thawed it in their bathtub, and. if I had known then what I know now about uh, how men are in their bathroom, I would not have um, eaten that turkey. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we met through small groups. And then the spring of our, sem- of our senior year, Marty called one day out of the blue. We, don't, we didn't talk on the phone at that point, And he asked if I would go to ring dance with him. And I was really excited for a couple of reasons. One is because I love to dance. And um, so I was looking forward to like hours of dancing, right? The other reason is because I kind of started to develop a little crush on Marty. I thought he was really cool. And um, he obviously didn't hate me, right? Because he could at least stand the idea of being with me for, um, for ring dance. And so um, went into ring dance really excited, came out of ring dance liking him even more, right? Crush confirmed. And... <laughs> As just circumstances would kind of uh, unfold over the course of the next year, Marty and I did not go on our official first date for uh, a solid year. In between that time of ring dance and our first date, um, I was asked out to on dates with three other guys who were not Marty. Um, one was Marty's Bible study leader. Okay. <laughs> the uh, second was Marty's best friend and roommate. <laughs> Yeah, and then the third was uh, just a random guy that uh, I met at Chili's, and that's a story for another time. (laughs) 
but doesn't uh, doesn't Michael Scott say that Chili's is where business happens? Well, okay, so right. So um, yeah, a full year had pretty much elapsed, and one day after Bible study, we kind of closed the place down because I would tend to like linger and help wrap things up. And Marty would always, almost always walk me to the door of the church to watch me get into my car because usually I was one of the last ones to leave. But on this particular night, he walked outside with me and was like, hmm, that's different, right? And so he walks me to my car and he says, Dre, I need to ask you a question. He says, I know that you've been going out on dates with this other guy. I don't care that you've been going out on dates with this other guy. I want to go out on a date with you. And so I was like stunned and speechless and excited because really in my mind, I was like, I found the one my heart loves, right? And so I said yes. And then I got in the car and I picked up the phone and I called this other guy and I said, I cannot see you again. And I, and I didn't. <laughs> um, and he, that, <laughs> but that's just how I was feeling, right? That's how I roll, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah, so I had asked her, uh, I asked her to ring dance as friends and uh, we went as friends, but just like her, through our time at Ring Dance, I was like, man, this girl's awesome. Um, I, I really want to get her to know her more, but um, I had already talked to my Bible study, study leader, and he had asked me, after I had asked her to Ring Dance, if he could ask her out. And since I was going as friends, I was like, yeah, sure, why not? And then I really regretted that decision uh, coming out of Ring Dance. And then later on, uh, again, my roommate, uh, my roommate asked her out, and and so they, they went on some dates. And so finally, by the spring, I was done. Um, I didn't care what was going on. Um, I, was, I was going to ask her out. And so we did. And she said yes. And I was pumped. She was pumped. And uh, between, our first, between me asking her out and between our first date, uh, another one of my close friends, uh, he called her up to ask dating advice. And uh, in that phone call, uh, he figured out that Andrea had liked me for the last year. And so he felt like it was his responsibility then to tell Andrea that I had liked her for that year as well. Uh, so they were like super excited that this was happening. And uh, so immediately hung up with Andrea and called me and told me all about this, that I, you know, like Andrea's liked you since ring dance and um, this is awesome. And it was cool because then going on our first date, there was no pressure, um, right? Like we knew that we had liked each other for a year. And so I was pretty sure I would get a second and third and fourth date. You know, we had... <laughs> We've been waiting a long time for this, but uh, in, in that phone call with my friend, by the end of it, he, he said something that was kind of prophetic. He, uh, he was like, man, uh, you two are totally getting married. And, uh, and I remember hearing that and being a little bit shocked. Uh, and, and as I thought through this, it, I began to realize, man, this is, this is serious. This is the real thing. And uh, up until then, uh, throughout college, I had only dated just to date. I had dated just because it was what students do, and it seemed like fun. I had never dated with the intention of marriage, with um, the, the long-term prospects of marriage. And so because of this, I had really, up to this point, never thought, why do I want to get married? I knew that I wanted to get married, but I had never thought, why does someone get married? Why do I want to get married? And so I began to think through this, and I wasn't sure whether, uh, whether or not I would marry Andrea one day, but I knew that um, in thinking through marriage that I wanted to date her intentionally and purposefully with marriage in view. I wanted this long-term goal and purpose to speak into everything I did as I pursued her uh, over the next year of dating. Yeah. Um, 
So I did also didn't know that's that us we on would. A date. That's a sweet date. Um, I also didn't know that we would be getting married, but I really I was hopeful, right? So after our first date, I distinctly remember coming home and um, opening up my journal and just asking the Lord, saying, "Lord, I don't know if He's the one, but please let Him be the one." Dear diary, <laughs> I love Marty. Yeah, pretty much, right? Um, so then, eleven months later, we were engaged, and um, I began to think through. Like he said, just um, what what is the meaning and the purpose of marriage? Because um, I grew up in a home where my parents divorced when I was really young. And so I know that when they were engaged and when they got married, they were equally as excited, equally as in love. And yet there was something, um, there was a shift at some point in their marriage and that caused it to end. And um, so I wondered, was there anything that I could do to to kind of, protect us from that. I wasn't sure, but I was hopeful and I was willing to um, pursue whatever it was um, if there was something. Yeah. So that is our dating and marriage story. That's uh, the abridged version. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And now we've been married for nine years and we uh, have produced three wonderful boys uh, that we love a lot. And um, yeah, we, we love marriage. We love doing marriage ministry. Uh, And so then looking through the survey that y'all, we all had you do about a month ago, uh, we've been looking at it and we realized this is a diverse group. So uh, there are, in terms of relationship status, it's pretty diverse in here. Some of you are dating. A couple of you are engaged. A few out there. And uh, then there's some that are single and searching and some that are single or not searching. So it's a diverse group. You're also diverse in, uh, as Jacob has continually pointed out, the puppies or kitten question. So a lot of puppy lovers, uh, some kitten lovers. And I think uh, that Jacob put the birds, because I'm a monster in here, specifically for me. Because uh, we don't own dogs or cats. We own six chickens. And so uh, what I think that Jacob was doing was calling me a monster. But uh, we're getting the last laugh because yesterday Charlotte came over. And uh, now who's the monster, Jacob? Right? Are you going to call your little girl a monster? So I'm trying to turn her into a bird lover as well. Um, but when, when I was looking at the survey, uh, there was one question that really stood out out of all of it, and that is uh, that you are completely unified in your desire for marriage. Uh, based on the survey, out of 852 people that responded, all but one of you want to get married at some point. So everybody, one person said no, and uh, it's just, I was shocked by this. I thought based on, um, based on, people's past, seeing people's parents, the culture and things like that, that more people uh, would kind of be calloused against marriage. So I was pretty, pretty excited that like 99.8% of the people here uh, want to get married someday. And so if, uh, as, as unified as we are in thinking through and, and saying, yes, I want to get married, my guess is that if I ask the question, why do you want to get married? Um, or what is the purpose and the focus of marriage, we would actually get a, a pretty diverse set of answers with that question. Um, my guess is that uh, some of you would probably answer that you want to get married for companionship. 
uh, some for you know, financial security and comfort, others maybe for uh, building a family and to have kids, and maybe some of you for sex, and then uh, maybe others, if you were like me, when I was a student, I just never thought of the question, and it never occurred to me to think through, yeah, why do I want to get married? The thing is, how you answer the question, why do you want to get married, how you answer the question, what is the purpose for marriage is going to go a long way in deciding how you date. It's going to go a long way in deciding how you prepare for marriage. And um, the reality is how you answer that question will probably go a long way to deciding whether or not you are still married for your 20th anniversary. Uh, Jacob talked last year about how, last week about how scripture really doesn't say a lot on dating. Uh, scripture says a ton about marriage. It is a, a huge theme throughout scripture. We see um, from Genesis and Adam and Eve and their marriage all the way to Revelation and the marriage of Christ and the church that marriage is something that God cares about and that God speaks a lot into through his scripture. And so this morning, we are going to start with Ephesians 5, and we're going to take a look at what the Bible says is the purpose for marriage. And then uh, after that, we will, uh, while most of you aren't going to be getting married in the immediate future, future, we want to kind of help you think through some skills and some tools and kind of some mindsets that can help you better prepare for marriage, no matter how far down the road it is. So if you will turn to Ephesians 5, and uh, Andrea's going to read that. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of, the water, washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man will leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh." This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So as I said before, there are uh, many reasons that a person might desire to get married. A companionship, happiness, building a family, sex, and comfort, and, and financial security. These are all things within marriage that are a blessing from God. Um, but if your focus and your desire in marriage is these things, the problem is that they are never guaranteed to last. Um, these things, there's a chance within your marriage that these things won't be there. And so if this is your focus on these desires, as good as they are, if your focus is on them, then when they aren't present, you won't really have a reason to stay within that marriage. If your purpose for getting married is happiness, then if there is no happiness, you really have no reason to stay within that relationship. Instead, Christ-likeness should be your focus, both presently and within your marriage. Um, for all of you, whether you're single, whether you're dating, whether you're married, your primary uh, priority in life should be becoming more like Christ. And marriage is simply a tool that God uses 
to help you become more like Christ, to help you um, to become holy and sanctified. Marriage is like a, a magnifying glass that reveals our selfishness and our pride and our sinfulness so that we can then choose to work on these areas of sin within our lives. And uh, if, if you, you know, if you, most of you aren't married, but if you know people that are, they'll tell you that it won't take long within marriage to begin to realize just how selfish, uh, selfish you are. When Andrea and I first got married, we went on our honeymoon to Hawaii, and uh, we were on Maui, and one day we decided to go and try to hike uh, through the crater on Haleakala Peak, whatever it's called. I, I don't know. I keep messing <laughs> it up. Uh, and so we decided to go up there. So we drove uh, up this mountain. And if you don't know, Hawaii, it's like, it's this paradise where it's always 80 degrees. So uh, no matter what, unless there's like a hurricane coming through, it is 80 degrees and beautiful on Hawaii. And so that's kind of what we expected when we got up to the top of a mountain. Uh, but it turns out that when you're at the top of a mountain, it's cold and windy. Zero and, degrees. Uh, and so we got up there and we, we, we stepped out of our Jeep and it was uh, it was 40 degrees with this, uh, this strong wind, and so the wind chill was... You zero. Know, it was zero. She says zero. <laughs> um, but we were undeterred at this point, and we decided to uh, start hiking through the crater. And so we go down, and about five minutes into our hike, Andrea stops, and she just says, I'm too cold. We have to go back. And, uh, and so we, we stopped and we, we turned around and we were both really disappointed because we were really looking forward to this long hike through the crater. I think it's like 15 miles. Yeah, it was a yeah, long was, hike. We were planning on doing it all day. We were all in. And so then we were just going to spend the rest of the day driving around because we weren't hiking anymore. And as we drove around, our disappointment turned into frustration with one another. And I was frustrated with her that she couldn't brave the cold better and, uh, and, and very hike. very sensitive teeth. Yeah, it was her teeth that <laughs> turned us around. So I was frustrated with her teeth um, that they were cold. And she was frustrated with me that we weren't better prepared, that she felt like I should have done a better job of preparing us for this long hike by bringing warm clothes on our trip to Hawaii. That's called, it's called blame shift. Who does, yeah. who brings warm, warm clothes to Hawaii, yeah. right? And, uh, and so we were frustrated. We were kind of quiet and it was awkward for a lot of the day. And then at dinner, we finally sat down, we started talking about it and we realized how selfish we really were. We realized that uh, we were looking out for our own desires and needs. I really wanted to do that. And I was frustrated that, that she couldn't step up and be tougher. Yeah. Um, and so we, we were able at dinner to kind of work through that. But it was that first time in our marriage where we were like, man, uh, we are selfish people. And the reality is, believe it or not, nine years later, we still deal with these issues. Uh, we have had some really hard moments within our marriage, and we've had to have really tough conversations. And in the midst of those conversations, they are not fun. Uh, I'm never sitting there like when we're on the couch and it's like, oh man, like this is, this is a tough conversation. I'm never like, man, marriage is awesome. You know, like marriage is so much fun. It's hard. Um, and, and I don't enjoy those things. But the cool thing is uh, when we have those conversations, we're able to deal with our frustrations. We're able to talk through our missed expectations we're able to uh, confess our sin to one another and forgive each other and reconcile with one another. And it's this beautiful moment um, in this beautiful time where we can see uh, the sanctification process at work through our marriage. We can see Jesus working on us and the Holy Spirit working on us to become more like Christ as we work through these hard times and these hard moments.
And so, as there will, the reality is, um, there will be uh, seasons in your life where you are not happy. There will be uh, times where you lose your job, you have illness, uh, you're struggling with infertility, and it will be hard. Um, And if you are getting married to be happy, if that is your goal and your purpose for getting married, when these seasons occur, uh, when when these seasons of of dissatisfaction and happiness occur, um, at those moments, you will begin to be able to justify leaving that marriage or finding your happiness somewhere else. If happiness is your purpose for marriage, then when you are aren't happy, it opens the door for you to find happiness outside of your spouse. And that's why it's so dangerous to find, um, for happiness to be the purpose for your marriage. But when Christ-likeness is your focus in marriage, then these difficult circumstances become opportunities for you to draw closer to God and for you to draw closer to your your spouse um, and not a reason to look elsewhere. This is because God designed marriage for us to look more like Christ. God also designed marriage so that the world could see Christ. In Ephesians 5, we see uh, Paul making parallels between Christ and, and the husband as the head. And then we see the church and the wife being called to this role of submission. Now, let me just go back and reread it for you, just the first few verses that uh, we read before. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as a church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Um, For many of us, the idea of submission kind of leaves a bad taste in our mouth, right? Touchy subject. Um, But that's because from the beginning of creation, submission and headship have been totally perverted to be something that God did not create it to be. We see from Genesis 3, the fall of man, when God is is, uh, casting them out of the garden and he's telling them what their judgment is, he tells Eve, your desire will be for your husband and he will lord it over you. And so he's not referring to like a physical desire. He's referring to the fact that she is going to want his position. She's going to want his authority, and he, in turn, will seek to dominate her. Okay? Does that sound like anything that's culturally relevant? So there's this fight that's been going on kind of since the beginning of creation that's seeking to divide us, right? Um, I want to be in control. And... um, and God's saying, that's not, that's not what I designed it to be. Um, marriage is designed for us to be one flesh, right? And so these roles are set up so that we can work towards unity and towards one flesh. I was in the grocery store yesterday in the refrigerator section, and um, I overheard this mom say, do you need help with that, honey? And I really wasn't paying attention to what um, her daughter was doing until about 15 seconds had passed, and then the refrigerator door slammed shut, and sh- this girl about 15 or 16 years old said, did you really just ask me if I need help carrying a gallon of milk? She was like, I could carry five gallons of milk without any help. I was like, you're so strong, right? Good job. <laughs> carry that milk. Um, and that, though that has nothing to do with submission, that is how we feel 
when we think about submission, right? I am not inferior to you. I am not weaker than you. I am, I am just as smart as you, just as capable, right? All these things, da, 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 da. But the problem is we are imagining that to submit to something means that I'm inferior and he is superior. And that is not true, right? When, man, when God created man and woman to be together, he said it was very good and our roles are equal. In reality, there is no one else in his life that can speak in with the same kind of power um, and influence that I have. I have this great gift to be able to love him and to pray for him and to care for him and to shepherd him um, towards, towards um, leading our family. So wives, we are called to submit to our husbands. And when this is done correctly, then it's incredibly attractive to an unbelieving world. But what is, what is the, the role of the husband? Husbands are called to love their wives as Christ loved the church. So how did Christ love the church? He died for the church, right? An excruciatingly painful death. In John 10, he says, I and the Father are one. He says, um, I have authority to lay my life down. I have authority to take my life back up. But he chose to lay his life down. He chose Instead of being glorified, instead of taking his kingship right then, he chose to be mocked. He chose to be scorned because he wanted to love with a selfless love. And so that's a super tall order, right, for the husbands. if, If I'm comparing the two, I'm like, I'm actually pretty comfortable over here with this role of submission because like we've already established, I'm pretty selfish. Um, And so to be the one who's called to die to self, which we both are, but with that being his God-given role to die to self um, so that he can um, present me before the Lord um, blameless, um, unblemished, right? Um, that's, that requires a lot of selflessness. Um, both roles do. require selflessness, humility, um, a quiet harness strength. But when these two things are working together, then it really is this beautiful, beautiful picture to an unbelieving world of who Christ is and what he came to do. This last year was really hard for our family. Um, as I walked through the last few months of pregnancy with Bennett, I um, ha- started having kidney stones. And um, I, through the like, last two months, I had about 60 kidney stones. But I had one. She's tough. <laughs> Except when it's cold. Except when it's cold. <laughs> I had one that caused just a lot of problems. It um, was too big. They couldn't, they couldn't do anything for it while I was pregnant. And so I was basically in and out of the hospital for the last eight weeks of pregnancy. And we had a lot of people who were coming around us, helping us care for the boys, preparing meals. Um, But Marty was in the nitty gritty every single day. And he was coming home to me not being able to, I was barely able to walk most days. Um, But he was cooking meals when we didn't have meals. He was doing our laundry. He was doing our dishes. He rearranged our entire home so that um, we could bring Bennett home to to the nursery that I had imagined. And and people began to take notice of his selfless love for me because he did it with such a joyful heart. I never, ever heard or saw him grumble or complain. So one day when I was in the hospital, uh, my neighbor came to visit me. She is not a believer, and she confided in me that her marriage was falling apart. And she said, you don't know how fortunate you are to be married to a man like Marty who loves you and your family the way that you do. And I was like, I do know how fortunate I am but I also know that he's not doing it um, because he's 
the best, right? He's doing it because he's making a daily choice to lay down his life for me the way that Christ did. And so just in that, in those two months, it became this beautiful picture to our neighbor, um, which is exactly what, what God intended it to look like. And so, um, yes, God did design marriage to help us look like Christ, but he also designed marriage to help the world see Christ. So as I said before, when I was a student, I had just never thought about this. It wasn't something that crossed my mind. And because of that, it really reflected in my dating relationships. Uh, They weren't necessarily bad, but I I really struggled to be intentional with the dating process. And so as you think about who you date, I want to challenge you not to think about it in terms of who makes you happy. I I hope that your boyfriend or girlfriend uh, makes you generally happy that, you know, if they don't, that's a problem. Um, but, uh, you know, don't do it with the mindset of, do you make me happy or not? And, and don't go into it with the mindset of, you know, like, are you going to have a good job so you can provide, you know, like, so that we can have money? Or um, going into it with uh, I, a plan to start a family. Instead, what we want to challenge you to do is to look for someone that is walking with the Lord. Uh, look for someone who's pursuing their own growth and then uh, look for someone who will help you to grow in Christ-likeness as well. You want to find someone that is going to spur you on and challenge you and continue to um, help you to walk and become more like Christ. Uh, now, here's the thing. Uh, you're all not going to just step in. None of us step into marriage just great at these sort of things. We've been married for eight years, and we are still uh, we're still learning how to do this. Marriage is a process. And so um, for eight years, nine years, I keep saying eight. It's, it's eight, nine and years, eight and a half. Eight So it's so. like, do you round up or do you round down? We'll go up. Nine okay. years. Uh, so for nine years, you know, we have been learning what it looks like to be married and, and developing these skills with one another. And, and as we were talking about this, it made us think about our son, Andrew, who uh, right now is developing a little playground romance with Alexandria. It's true love, y'all. And, uh, and so out on the playground, this started, and one day I was asking him, like, hey, you know, like, you've been hanging out with Alexandria a lot. What's going on? And he was like, well, my, uh, you know, my other buddies, they want to play ninja, and I want to play superhero, and Alexandria likes superheroes, so I play with her. And it's like, oh, okay, you know, superheroes is what does it. And, uh, <laughs> and so they have, uh, they've kind of started playing superheroes together, and then uh, then all of a sudden they started like holding hands in class and walking down the hall and that sort of thing. And so it's like, oh, this is getting serious. And then last week, <laughs> last week, uh, he ate a ring pop and saved the plastic ring part of the ring part and told Andrea that he wanted to give that to Alexandria. And uh, Andrea, Just to clarify, I said, well, you can give it to her tomorrow at school. And he said, no, I'm not going to ask her to marry me tomorrow, mom. So he's thinking long term. Yeah, but 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 really, this thing isn't going anywhere. You know, they're going to be going to different schools next year, and um, I know we'll we'll try it's to really keep sad. them, you know, hanging out. You know, how fun would it be? Like, yeah, we've you know we've known each other for twenty years, but whatever. Um, but we are trying to really use this time to intentionally help him begin to think through not marriage, but what it looks like to be a godly man. So you know, buddy, when you like a girl, you don't hit her. 
Um, you don't treat, you know, like you be nice and you say nice things to her, but we're using this time to develop skills that, uh, basic skills, like don't hit, but skills that he's going to be able to use, uh, one day when he gets married, uh, and that's really what we do with pre-marriage counseling, too. We uh, don't, don't hit. hit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, we, help, we help engaged and seriously dating couples think through, um, what skills and tools do I need as I prepare to go into marriage? And so for the rest of this time, we want to just talk through some different skills that you can begin to develop. If you're getting married this summer or, you know, 10 years from now, you can begin developing these skills and honing these tools so that when you do get married, you are a little bit better prepared um, to love your spouse well. And so the first skill, uh, it isn't really a skill so much as something that the Bible just tells us to do, and that is to build your relationship with God and the church. If you want to have a marriage that... um, that is going to honor God, uh, then you need to be pouring into your relationship with God and you need to be building around you a, a godly community that can walk with you. And the reality is if this isn't the priority in your life right now, it's gonna be a lot harder once you get married to make it any priority at all. Um, once you become married, things just become harder to do. You know, like we... We have two schedules to balance. I'm responsible, and she's responsible for not just herself, but we're responsible for two people now. And so um, it's just harder to... Yes, yeah, (laughs) it's hard. And then once you start adding kids in there, it becomes impossible to do anything. Uh, I mean, like, getting out the door... any day is just, it's crazy. Um, so, I mean, I was, I was literally, I was up at 4.30 this morning um, because I had a crying baby. And then at 5.15, uh, our four-and-a-half-year-old had an accident. And so it was just like, by that point, I'm like, I'm just staying up. And so the reality is, uh, if I weren't speaking this morning, I probably wouldn't have shown up. <laughs> you know, like the only reason I'm here is because it's my job. Um, I would have been too tired, you know, like, is that wrong to say a little bit? We it's out there now, guys. Yeah. <laughs> because it's hard. Once you have kids, it's hard to make priorities. And so outside of keep people alive. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and so we want you to think through now as you're single and as you're dating, what it looks like to begin to build a relationship with God in the church. So the, we have two things with this for you. The first is um, simply to begin to have a daily quiet time with the Lord. Um, If you aren't doing this now, uh, waking up next to someone won't make it easier. I'll tell you, before I met Andrea, I never hit snooze. And now I snooze most mornings because it's just so fun to cuddle. And, uh, And so, you know, I don't want to get out of bed. And so I've had to build discipline in my life just to get out of bed um, so that I can develop my relationship with the Lord so I can walk with him closer. Um, Begin now setting that habit of getting up or having that time at night where you can spend time in prayer, where you can spend time in the word and becoming more like Christ through that. Build your relationship with God and then build your relationship with the church. Surround yourself with a community, whether it's a small group Bible study or roommates who are going to... um, We're going to challenge you to honor God through your dating relationship. We're going to walk with you and bear your burdens and help you to think through what it looks like to date well, what what it looks like to walk in purity through your dating relationship. 
Uh, if you can build these habits of having um, intimate, vulnerable community now, it's going to make it easier long-term once you're married for you to step into community that's going to come alongside you and your spouse in order to help your marriage thrive. So begin to, uh, begin to find community that you can surround yourself with that's going to challenge you to become more like Christ through your dating relationship and through your marriage. Um, another skill that is really vital and that you can practice now is how to, I don't know, I probably did something. Oh, there I am. Um, is, is how to communicate well, okay? In Ephesians 4, Paul talks about the importance of building up the body through unity. And he says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way to him who is the head, Christ. But I think we tend to have this negative view of communication, right? But as my two-year-old son would say, it's yucky for me. I don't like it. And um, that's kind of how I felt about communication. Um, but the truth is that conflict and communication are good um, because they can be a tremendous tool for growth and for unity. Um, the Bible tells us that we have to speak the truth in love. So the command is speak the truth. The option that we tend to say is you, you have to speak the truth how you speak it and when you speak it, those are, speak it, those are options, right? So we need to be speaking it in a caring way. When Marty and I um, were engaged and moving towards marriage, we had a lot of people say the first year of marriage is the hardest, okay? And so we kind of were like bracing ourselves, just waiting for the fallout, and we just breezed right through it. Not a big deal. We got to the second year of marriage, and we got involved in community, a small um, group of newly married couples, and one of our assignments was to start documenting, documenting our fights, okay? And then we're supposed to come and share, what did you fight about? How did you work through it? And we're coming with nothing. And so at first it was like, well, we're so good at this marriage thing. But we quickly realized we're actually just really good at like stuffing it and just breezing through conflict because we, we value peace over um, over good communication and potentially upsetting the other person. Um, so we had to start learning. It's okay. It's safe for me to bring this up to you, that you're a safe place for that. I can bring this up and I can grow in it um, and begin making deposits into how we communicate. And uh, four years into our marriage, we suffered a miscarriage. And I truly believe that if we had not been making those deposits early, early in our marriage of how to communicate well, we would have really struggled to communicate and make it through a time when we grieved differently because um, it, it was hard in and of itself, right? We were experiencing grief and this tremendous loss. And then thankfully, we could, we could come together and we could say, okay, I'm grieving this way and you're grieving this way, but we're still both grieving and we can still work towards unity together. Um, so good communication is vital, vital for growth. So I would ask you, how do you respond when um, you feel frustrated with your roommate or your best friend or your boyfriend or your family? Okay, do you feel confident and safe? To bring that up, do you bring it up in love or do you bring it up in hostility and sarcasm? Sarcasm was kind of my MO for a long time. Um, and how do you respond when somebody brings criticism to you? Are you humble? Are you approachable? Are you teachable? Or are you um, accusatory? You shouldn't feel that way because, right, are you hostile? Um, 
how you respond when somebody communicates to you or how you respond when you need to communicate is something that will really come out in your marriage. And so practice, practice now um, because your sin struggles, like we said, are only gonna magnify in marriage and you have such a great opportunity to lay a, a groundwork for good communication. One of the things that we say in premarital counseling is that um, it's not the finances that break you up. It's not um, in-laws or sex that break you up. It's that you can't communicate about them. Okay, so if you can communicate, you really can make it through a lot of really difficult times. And finally, the, uh, the last one is develop self-control. Um, Proverbs twenty five twenty eight says that a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. And the reality is uh, we are all sinners and we're all going into marriage as, uh, as sinful people. Uh, you will never be self, perfectly self-controlled in every area. But what we're looking for is, um, we're looking for, you should be looking for in, in yourself and for the person you're dating, someone who is constantly trying to make strides towards um, finding discipline in these areas. So you might be uh, lack self-control in, um, in your finances and spending, or it might be in uh, personal purity and, and pornography, or it could be in your boundaries within your dating relationship and struggling with maintaining self-control there. It could be uh, when you're having conflict that, um, that you lack self-control and you kind of have bursts of anger. And there's a lot of areas that you might lack self-control and you're never necessarily going to be perfect in these things, but you should be taking steps to develop self-control in them, to develop discipline in these areas. The reality is uh, marriage is not going to fix these things. A lot of us probably think that, you know, like I might struggle with pornography now, but once I get married, that'll go away. And it will not. If you struggle with pornography now and you don't deal with it now, it will it will go into your marriage and, and you'll be bringing this baggage within you, with you into marriage. If you struggle with spending now and people don't know and you don't tell anybody uh, where your money's going and, and what you're spending money on, then when you get into marriage, you're gonna continue to spend on things you don't need and you're gonna hide it. Um, if right now in your personal relationships you struggle with physical boundaries, that's saying that... Um, that my pleasure is more important um, than what God says, like Jacob talked about last week, and that um, it's worth it for you to find pleasure even if it's not appropriate. And that lack of self-control is going to follow you into marriage. And it might look differently than crossing boundaries in dating does, but at some point, your desire, and your, your desire for pleasure and your lack of control there will find a way to be made known. And so you need to begin developing uh, discipline and self-control in these areas. Uh, for me, when we first started dating, uh, Andrea was super hot, and, uh, and I was super attracted to her. And so I knew I would struggle with this right away. Um, I knew that self-control in our boundaries was going to be a challenge uh, for me. And so I made it really clear with my roommates, these are our boundaries. I need you to hold us accountable. I need you to ask me how we're doing physically. I needed them to, uh, to kind of uh, ask us if, we came, if I came home late, where were you? So they were like mom and dad standing at the door. And I would walk in, they, what have you been doing? Um, where have you been? You know, and, and my roommates were, uh, were super strict about it. And so there was always this like threat of being punched if we messed up. And, and I think they always wanted to punch me. So they were really like sticklers for the rules. Didn't they, um, didn't they take pictures of, your fist, of their fists? Yes. And, Sons of Thunder. This yes. is what I remember. Yeah. 
Um, and they posted it like in our house or something in, and, uh, in the office. Yeah. So anyhow, they were always threatening that. But um, I knew that I would struggle with this. And so I asked them to bear this burden with me. I asked them to come behind me and help me to build discipline in this area. So you need to begin thinking, where do I lack self-control? Where do I need to build discipline? And then ask godly men and women to come behind you, to come around you and help you to build discipline in these areas. If it's finances, ask them uh, to, to ask you about your budget. So show them your monthly budget so that they can ask you, hey, how are you doing with spending? Give them access to your computer or um, help them to walk with you to, to overcome uh, pornography. Uh, give them your boundaries. Write them out for your dating boundaries and ask them to kind of uh, ask you questions about that. Um, it is going to be your biggest gift, one of your biggest gifts to your spouse to be able to um, build discipline in these areas so that you're not bringing this baggage with you into your marriage. So one of the things we hope that we can communicate to you today is that we love marriage. We love being married to each other. One of the things we tell people a lot is that we love love, right? Um, this, this talk kind of is maybe a, like, marriage is hard, yeah. but, but we, we love it. It's fun. It is. We promise. Yes. It's <laughs> Trust so us. fun. Trust us. So <laughs> if the Lord has marriage for you, we say you should get married, right? We think it's, it's such a gift. It's been such a blessing to us. And that's why it is such a strong a strong. Um, burden for us to make sure that people marry with marry well. Okay, I always tell women choose wisely, and the same goes goes for you men. Choose wisely, so that as you move forward to marriage, if that's what the Lord has for you, you can feel confident that you're going to bring glory to Christ um, through marriage. Um, let me pray for us. God, we are so grateful for your word. We're grateful for your son. We're grateful that you promised us um, redemption through him, that uh, he came and laid his life down and that we could live. And so God, I pray that um, you would just help us to practice, uh, to walk in truth. Sanctify us, Lord, that we could bring you glory. And as we move to um, just to thinking about marriage and what that might look like for us, Lord, I pray that we would um, seek to establish discipline in our lives to bring you glory. That's your name we pray, amen.